We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Hornets fans, and welcome back to another BuzzBeat. This is Richie, and I'm joined by Lee today. We've got no live video for this episode, post-game recording here, but we are live on Twitter Spaces. If you would like to interact with us, we will keep an eye on the speaker request toward the end of the episode. We're going to talk about the game that just went final between the Hornets and the Suns, and we'll definitely get into some discussion about Lamella Ball and his injury to his right Ankle. Lee, how's it going? Anything uh anything new in your life? No, honestly, I am I am now I mean, look, we're into the doldrums, you know. I mean, we're post all-star break. We're uh, I mean, listeners of this fine podcast know exactly the status of of the organization. So so no need to, you know, go down that road. But uh no, I mean I'm uh I'm getting pumped for some ACC tournament. I'm getting pumped for some for some NCAA March Madness. That's kind of where my mind ventures to at this point in the year. Yeah, I actually applaud the people that still listen to our podcast at oh, this point of the year. Salt of the earth. I mean, <laughs> if, you, if you're sticking with us uh, for a 20 win team, uh, you know, on March 1st, yeah, just just know you're our people. <laughs> exactly, and uh, we've got a handful of people here live. On spaces, so we appreciate that as well. So let's get into this uh, Phoenix Suns game recap, and then, like I said, we'll talk about Lamelo Ball towards the end of this as well. The final score was 105-91 as the Hornets' five-game win streak was snapped. PJ Washington was out again, and then Cody Martin, obviously, <laughs> again out for this game. This was actually the first game too uh, with KD in a Suns uniform following the trade deadline, which just feels right like it just feels appropriate that he's going to suit up for the first time against the hornets and uh he made it look easy tonight he was on a minutes restriction coming off that knee sprain but he certainly makes this phoenix team a little bit more lethal uh they're definitely hoping to turn a i would i would say a relatively disappointing season for the suns so far especially the way that they started it feels like they were hovering around 500 for chunks of this season. And they're already a team that lives in the mid range with uh, Booker and CP three. And we saw that again tonight and adding KD just makes them a little bit more lethal from that spot of the floor. And we saw that the Hornets, you know, slow starts to the first quarter, slow starts to the second quarter, 
we were talking about this pre-recording. It felt like they kind of kept, you know, arm length distance between them and the Suns, but they never really threatened. I think they were as close, maybe as six points at one point. But before we get into this game, Lee, how weird does it feel or seeing like Katie in a Suns uniform? I, I thought it was weird when he went to the Warriors, but like this even feels weirder to me. Yeah, I don't know if it was because if it maybe because of the preseason trade demand from KD where the Suns were like very much in the you know, they were kind of on his short list or whatever. So maybe I'd kind of already mentally prepared myself for that a little bit. Um I mean it was it was definitely interesting that he made his debut in Charlotte. I mean, it was like a pretty it was close to a sellout tonight, which is kind of hilarious on a Wednesday night in Charlotte for a terrible team. But I mean, uh, you know, when you get a chance to see Chris Paul, Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and, and Kevin Durant's debut for for a new franchise, um, it makes sense. It was there was also like a ton of national media in Charlotte tonight for this debut. So you know, Hornets uh, Hornets in the spotlight a little bit tonight. But you're right; it felt it very much felt like one of those games where the Phoenix Suns were they were very aware that they were in control of this game and the you know and the Hornets made some shots and and they competed and they were scrappy but it was like Phoenix knew at any point they could go on kind of like a 6 or 80 run and just keep the Hornets at bay obviously particularly with LaMelo out so and man I mean you've said it before Richie but I do I do think it's an astute point by you that like one of the kind of under discussed disappointments of this season, not necessarily to any fault of his own is just, I mean, we've, I mean, we've gotten no, I mean, even the games we've had Cody, it's just been, you know, he's never fully gotten rhythm. He's never had a stretch where he, he feels like at least from my eye that he's like back in like total game shape and, you know, it's just disappointing after you sign him to what I still feel like is a very fair contract. It it just is. It's one of those under – I mean, you know, the Bridges stuff and LaMelo's injury and Hayward being in out of the lineup, like that all has taken precedent, rightfully so, I think, from like a narrative standpoint. But the Cody thing really is – it's a bummer, man. I mean, he he would help this team. I think we are now almost forgetting that he's kind of part of this young core and, and an important part of this young core moving forward, I think. Um, it, yeah, it's just been disappointing not to have him on the floor basically all year. Yeah, he's played a total of 134 minutes after last season playing 1,866 minutes. So a big discrepancy there. And yeah, you forget about him. You forget about him. And to your point, like it's not his fault per se, but it's just an odd situation that he's been dealt with because of the injury. And it just seems like there's little like information known about his injury. It's just like soreness, I guess is what they call it. Left knee soreness. Uh, I know there was a surgery at one point, but he came back from the surgery and it seems like he was doing all right. Uh, maybe he wasn't his normal self, but maybe they felt like this season was the season to kind of shut him down because it isn't. It's not really going to go anywhere. But yeah, he has been a little bit more of a disappointing storyline, and there's been a lot of disappointing storylines with this Hornets team. It's been an odd, odd season. And so let's start with more positive stuff. 
I know that Kelly Oubre and Terry Rozier led the team with scoring with 26 points and 20 points respectively, but let's start with Mark Williams like we always do on these podcasts recently. I think the biggest story, he hit two mid-range shots, both like 14, 15-footers. One was off a pick-and-roll with Hayward. One was on the baseline following a Rozier drive. And you've mentioned this too, but you know the free-throw shooting – generally speaking, is a pretty good indicator of potential success of someone that can shoot the ball outside of the paint. I don't think he ever gets to three-point range. It just doesn't look like he has the body for it. Brooke Lopez kind of has a lumbering body that can take some shots from deep, but there's not many players that don't have like a ton of fluidity that's going to take a a ton of shots from deep and also be efficient. But I think he had some good-looking makes from him in this game, from the free throw range. And I I think that's something that we can look forward to moving down the line. You're going to get the rim pressure, the pick and roll offense. You're not going to see it, obviously, with LaMelo moving forward. I think him and and Hayward are going to be tied moving forward, uh, connected as they are probably going to be a a partnership over the last, what is it, like 18 games of the season. Mm -hmm. But... That outside shot, quote unquote, when I say outside, I just mean like, you know, 12 to to 15 feet. It's smooth. Um, And obviously shooting a free throw where there is no one on you and you have a routine that you can replicate and get that muscle memory over and over again is very different than catching a pass off a, you know, a pocket pass and converting and knocking it down, knowing that defenders are closing out on you. So I thought that was pretty noteworthy from Mark Williams tonight. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the free throw shooting. You know, he goes three for four again tonight, which is basically right at his average. Yeah. I, I would I would say, Richie, I might be, like, slightly more optimistic that he eventually shoots corner threes. Um, like, I don't think, again, to, to bring a player up that you just – like, I don't think he's ever, you know, launching five or six threes a game like, like a Brook Lopez. But I, I, I think, like, I think maybe set – corner threes is something that could be in his repertoire you know two to three seasons down down the road like you said it's a it's it's a it's a mechanically fluid jumper he's making his free throws he's getting more comfortable pulling the trigger on some of those mid-range kind of face up jumpers that you're talking about and you know and I thought tonight like he didn't necessarily have like his best stuff tonight but he no. still turned in like a very productive performance. I mean, another double double, um, you know, two assists tonight. And I, man, I'm just, I'm, cont- I mean, he truly is like, he, I mean, and we go to it, right? Like anytime we want to get some positives into the, into the feed, I mean, Mark Williams is just a mainstay right now for optimism <laughs> and hope for this Charlotte franchise. You know, I mean, he he clearly is the, you know, the starting center. And, and I mean, that was something we were kind of curious about post-trade deadline. Like, you know, would would Clifford go back to Nick Richards, who's in his own right has had a really nice season? Although they are similar from a physical profile standpoint and even kind of from an archetype standpoint, Mark is just able to kind of you know, he's just kind of able to bend the game to his will with his like ridiculous athleticism, timing and instincts and length. 
um, even to a higher magnitude than a guy like Nick Richards does. Um, so again, I just, I, I think Mark Williams is already like a very solid center in the NBA and he's just getting started. I mean, he's, he's, he's really, you know, in assuming he's the starting center going into next season, like 30 games into next season is really going to be when he truly has played like a full year of full-time NBA basketball. So if, if we want to point to positives, it's just so easy to gush about Mark Williams. And, and, and obviously I was super excited uh, about when, when and where the Hornets drafted him. Obviously there was a bunch of drama draft night, but I mean, Charlotte came away with with a real rotation piece that has a chance because of his upside to 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 come to become a high quality starter and honestly maybe even a little bit more. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And a couple other things. You mentioned the assist. Uh, he had two assists, like you mentioned. Uh, I don't remember the other one, but the one assist that I did clip on Twitter is something that I'm... Well, I, I noted on a previous episode, but I, I don't know how much is going to ha- happen now with LaMelo out of the picture, and some of the pick-and-roll opportunities may not be as uh, fortunate for him in terms of the spacing that he'll receive, but he had a nice little kick-out pass to Ubre for a corner three. He also had a chase down block on CP3 in the third quarter. I don't know if it was goaltending or not. Like it was very like bang bang, but I thought that was impressive because I thought he had no shot at getting to that ball uh, for CP3. And you know, obviously, you know about his rim protection in the half court, but chasing down uh, a point guard, although he's aging, was something to note. And I also thought he had good movement in space as a defender and just shifting side to side, backpedaling, covering space. Something odd, though, uh, I noted he had a shot blocked twice, and I'm not sure he could. I mean, maybe that's happened this year, but he had a shot blocked twice, like real early in the game, which was which was kind of odd for me. And uh, I think Eric Collins also was noting he didn't get his first dunk of the night until mm-hmm. the third quarter. 
So just just a like you said, it was not a perfect game by any means, but there was some shed of positive light coming from Mark Williams. Where do you want to go next from Mark Williams? Who? <laughs> I mean, look, you know, the, the reason the reason to I mean, we already talked. We are we already tipped our hat to the Hornets faithful that are still sticking with this team on a, on a nightly basis and, and yeah. listen to our podcast. You know, I think the reason why, you know, why we're still interested and why some listeners are still interested is because, you know, we're getting minutes from the young guys. Now we're getting Bryce McGowan's minutes uh, who obviously had his contract converted into a full-time NBA contract. We're getting a ton of JT Thor for better or worse. We're getting a ton of Mark Williams um, we're even getting some Kai Jones. Um, I, I think Thor, unfortunately, like I have, I have constantly kind of been preaching, you know, the, the, the patience from the pulpit speech with Thor, because he is still incredibly young, um, younger than players that were drafted in years after him. Um, because of when he, you know, he came out after a year at Auburn and he is already a young freshman at the time. Um, so, you know, he did rebound the ball tonight, but this, the, the shooting and the spacing just still hasn't come along. The defensive versatility hasn't quite flashed like I thought it might. Um, and so, you know, he's getting a ton of developmental minutes right now, which is great. And I think JT Thor is still two, two seasons away from fully knowing what he is I think the problem is going to be you know as the Hornets continue to utilize their draft equity you know they've 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 got an extra first round pick this year from Denver um so there you know there's going to be at least two more rookies on this roster next season that'll be vying for playing time Cody Martin hopefully will be in the lineup more next season it's just hard to imagine that JT Thor is going to get a ton of chances to prove himself in developmental minutes aside from kind of the last, you know, 30 game stretch of this season. Um, And I don't think we're seeing enough yet for me to be confident that like those chances are going to be around for a whole, whole lot longer. So I, I guess I'm, I'm starting to pull back a little bit on my, Let's give him time speech, not because I don't think it's true, because I do think we give up on these developmental prospects just far, far too early. But I'm concerned that the opportunity will be much less in the future for JT Thor. And that just that might be kind of it, at least in Charlotte. Huh? Yeah. You know, we we talked about giving a nod to some of the veteran players, but that that's exactly where I wanted to go next too. is with the oh, JT four and Kai, Kai Jones minutes. I don't know if it's a debate between these two because there are, there are some similarities between two, but I also think that they play different roles within the system. I think one of the most glaring similarities between Thor and Kai Jones is they both feel unsure of themselves on the offensive side of the court. It just feels like, so many things are going through their mind. They're having to second guess. They're not fluid, you know, especially when you put the ball in the hands of both these players. Like you just, you don't want them to be making a decision with a couple of defenders around them. And both of them are young. Both of them are projects. Both of them are guys that you do have to give time for. 
And Kai Jones tonight was energetic. He was bouncy. He had good movement on both ends. He's got his hands in the passing lanes. He was active on the glass. He even had a nice pass to, I believe it was Rozier on a cut, which I just was surprised that, <laughs> that he made. But what we're seeing here is that he is playing the four. Mm -hmm. And my question with this decision is, are they doing this because they feel he's better suited for the four, or are they doing it because of like the bodies, the number of bodies at the five position with Richards and, and Williams, and I guess to a lesser extent, PJ Washington and the limited playtime forces them to play Kai at the four. And so if it is the decision that they think he's better suited for the four, I start to question that evaluation process. Like, I mean, you can use them as a, you know, a screener as a four, but then what do you do with the five? Like put the five in the short corner and that just right. kind of eats up space. So I'm not saying he's a perfect player. I'm not saying that he is head and shoulders above JT Thor, but I would like to see him get some minutes at the five. I think why Thor is getting more minutes right now than, than Jones is a couple things. I think he is more solid defensively in the sense that he doesn't make as many mistakes from a team rotate. Yeah. From like yeah, a team yeah. rotation standpoint and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like highlight plays. Yeah. That, that, that'll go to Kai always and forever, <laughs> but Thor too, like he plays the position where you can maneuver him a little bit more. I think, I think that Kai Jones, they're just kind of plugging him in at the four. Maybe they think he's better suited for the four. I, I don't know how to answer that question because I mean, what, what do you well, think? He's, you know, certainly, he's certainly not better suited for the four four at the moment oh, but you're i mean I, I think yes if they're if they're forward projecting on what his role could and should be in the future that that may be the calculation kind of from the coaching staff i agree with you that if you wanted to get the most production out of him in the short term you would play him more exclusively at the five but i also think it's tough like like, I don't disagree with you. I just don't know that I would necessarily want him taking away from any, like, Nick Richards minutes at the five either. So that's that's why it's tough. Um, but, but, but I also would probably reiterate the point that because of Kai's ability to be a outlier athlete on an NBA floor with freak athletes – he gives me a bit more optimism, you know, long-term as a, as a developmental prospect. And, you know, with Thor, it's like if Thor's not going to space the floor, which he has not done so far in his NBA career, uh -uh. then you start to lose the allure of what he is in a lineup. Whereas with Kai, you already know he's not going to space the floor. So you're just counting on those rim run, rim roll, offensive rebounds, deflections, keep a ball alive, cut, you know, baseline cutting, that type of stuff, which he has to get better of all at all of that still. But he's going to make he's gonna make like functional, effective basketball impact with his outsized outlier athleticism, where Thor just doesn't have a hat to hang on yet. I, I think it's just part of it is the position availability for the minutes. That's why JT Thor is playing. 
I tried to be positive with my notes on Thor. I thought he had a nice offensive rebound over two Suns and a putback mm-hmm. layup in the second quarter. That was his first points of the game. He actually had good one-on-one defense on Booker in the third quarter where Booker kind of went into ISO mode. But as I keep mentioning, he's still hesitant, unsure of himself. Um, Hayward even had to he heard it audibly on the broadcast to shout to get him in a correct position on the offensive side. Let me ask you a question. Open look for three. Who do you trust more, JT Thor or Kai Jones? Ooh. <laughs> Gosh, I – man, I, I I guess I would go Thor, but it yeah, is – I think so. It's, it's bleak. I mean, you know, I think on the season, Thor is what, 23% or something ridiculous like that? I don't have it in front of me, but – um, you know, I, I Thor's certainly more willing, <laughs> um, but I don't think his results uh, are are any better. <laughs> yeah, the the results are fairly similar. Thor twenty six percent, Kai Jones twenty seven percent, but I think the volume is definitely more on Thor's side. I think Thor's shot, currently speaking, looks better. Uh, it seems like there's been a little bit of a change in Kai's shot uh, over the course of his young career here in Charlotte. So. Is there anything else you want to mention about this game, or should we transition over to our last segment with uh, Lamella Ball? You know, I, I I think you know Hayward still continues to look fine and functional when he's healthy. I mean, it was it was it was, certainly wasn't a standout game from Hayward by any means, but um, I think you noted on Twitter a few times like we are going to get a lot more of kind of decision making Hayward facilitation Hayward with Lamella Ball out. And uh, and hey, you know it's it's good to have old old roller coaster Ubre back in the lineup too. So <laughs> yeah, and uh, he started off slow, like he missed his first couple threes. He missed like a, a running layup in traffic, but Ubre definitely picked up his play as the game went along, and he finished with twenty six points, a team high of the ninety one. It, it felt like a nineties game, ninety one one hundred five. It did not feel like a a high scoring affair here, and. In addition to um, playmaking Hayward, we're also going to be getting more of Point Terry as Clifford has elected to kind of just shift Ubre into the starting lineup over Ball, where Terry kind of shifts down to the the point guard position. So, speaking of Ball, let's get into this as we wrap up here in this episode. So he injured his right ankle on Monday night versus the Pistons. He's now injured both of his ankles. I think what's most concerning about this recent injury to me was that it was a non-contact injury. For some reason, that just scares me a little bit more than maybe landing on someone's shoe, like coming down. I just, it just tells me that something gave way in the moment of play. And sometimes when you land on someone's shoe, you can point directly like, Hey, that's, that's why he injured his ankle, but just dribbling and kind of, you know, rotating your ankle one little wrong way. He went down. And I think the way with the Hornets, you know, playing, you know, recently, yes, they probably still would lose to the Suns if hey, mm-hmm. um, if Ball was playing tonight. But the five-game win streak, the team was starting wow. to play some fun games, pick up some wins. I think we could probably say goodbye to that following this injury. And maybe in the grand scheme of things, it just doesn't matter because this team was going nowhere. But I think the most concerning thing to me is the fact that it was a non-contact injury, and obviously we got to be concerned about his ankles moving forward. 
and and lastly, I'll pass it over to you. But the team did announce today that he had successful surgery on that right ankle. Got it. Yeah. I mean, man, it's 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 really disappointing. I know, I know that there will be some, you know, there will be a contingency of Hornets Twitter that is like, yay, like not 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 that they're cheering the injury by any means, but that they're saying like, yay, like the tank, you know, it's fully on and. That's just not my perspective. I mean, LaMelo was starting to play some of the best basketball of of the season over these past, you know, basically since the All-Star break. And when you're when you're developing, you know, a young on the ball offensive engine um that you know is is the entire driver of offense for this team and for this roster. I would just much, much rather LaMelo ball in the season with massive momentum, playing really well as he was going into the offseason, rather than maybe losing five more games than we would have with him in the lineup and being like third worst instead of fourth worst. It's just not, in my opinion, a a good trade-off like I would much much rather the Hornets have gotten locked into that fourth worst record and LaMelo being playing his best ball of the season going into the offseason like I said and and frankly like it's not it's also not just about LaMelo like this offense is predictably historically bad when when LaMelo doesn't play and that affects everybody else on the team as well, particularly the young players. Like it overtaxes Rozier, which we've talked about. It it creates half court offense in which shots are more highly contested than they would be with without Lamelo out of the pick and roll, feeding Mark Williams, spraying the ball to the corners for open jumpers. Like this affects Mark Williams. This affects JT Thor. This affects. Bryce McGowan's, this affects Kai Jones. You know, the 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 historically inefficient offense with ball out of the lineup is not good for the young development either. So there's like a trickle-down effect, um, in my opinion, from a developmental standpoint, um, that is just disappointing um, because I would have, again, I would have just liked to see ball carrying that momentum into the offseason, and that that's just kind of where I'm at with it. No, I, I agree 100%. I, I think even without ball, I think the Hornets still may be locked in to the the fourth worst record. Yeah, so. yeah they still may not drop enough, 100%. Right. Yeah, there, there's something to be said about carrying momentum into the offseason. There's something to be said about him getting more. I mean, I, th- I think we've had a big enough sample size playing with some of the younger guys, but you, know, you would love to see him play more with Mark Williams and create yeah. more of a synergy and – you know, kind of have that momentum heading into next season. And I think the the concern about the injury is also kind of real, too. There's been a lot of people, you know, talking about him needing to wear ankle braces. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I just, you know, at, at some point, you got to start thinking about maybe the shoes that you wear or the ankle braces that you wear because, you know, you, you can't have your star franchise point guard get injured this frequently. So it's, it's you know, it's been a rough I wouldn't say rough, but it's been, you know, three seasons in which he's played and there's been seasons, his first season and now this season where he's missed a good chunk of games. So 
we don't want that to continue at all. But your point is is probably the best one in terms of just creating synergy, having possessions with others. And sometimes it may be hard to evaluate a Bryce McGowan's or a JT Thor when they're not playing with LaMelo Ball. And, you know, maybe those guys never see consistent minutes with LaMelo. They're guys that are coming off the bench, but I think the point remains there. So any other thoughts, Lee, as we get towards the end of this? (laughs) We'll still be here. We'll still be watching the games. We'll still be breaking things down. We'll still be noting um, how Mark Williams' short roll passing is is progressing, um, you know, for better or worse. So uh, we we really do appreciate everybody that's sticking with us, listening to the pod, and uh, you know, uh, checking us out on Twitter Spaces and stuff. Yeah. So the next three games for the Hornets: Friday against the Magic, Sunday against Kevin Durant's old team, the Nets, and then Tuesday, March seventh at. New York. So thanks again for joining us today. As always, give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast and visit buzzbeat.substack.com for more information about our private podcast feed where you get benefits, including ad-free episodes. So for Lee, I'm Richie. Go Hornets. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit